Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis and welcome to this week's episode of our podcast series at Business Benchmark Group. I'm really looking forward to this week's episode of our podcast as we are sharing, I guess, a journey, a journey that's in progress. It's a work in progress, but my God, the leaps and bounds that this business has achieved since starting with our organization, you know, just over a year ago, Robert Krastich and Sharper Facility Services, and their journey, I guess, since April 2018 is, is one to just sort of you know, just look at the fundamentals. Look at, listen to the uh, the basics of how when you change your mind about what is possible versus what an awesome journey it's been so far. Testament to our, I guess, our belief here at Business Benchmark Group that we don't typically work with the broken. We don't typically work with business owners and their businesses that are at skid row. We work with businesses and business owners that ultimately are at a crossroad of opportunity. Sometimes, you know, stagnation or frustration is the crossroad. Sometimes motivation and inspiration to keep on being a better version of yourself and ultimately your business is where we meet and, and, and go on a journey with our clients. But ultimately, for Robert and his business at Sharper, I mean, to hear his sharing of his journey in less than a year and what he is optimizing for, what he is elevating the standard for in his business, but ultimately his personal journey himself is uh, nothing short of stunning and I look forward to hearing again your feedback and and sharing in your insights as you do when you private message us in terms of what this actually meant for you so rest rest back enjoy this sharing with Robert and the business and the team at Sharper Facility Services I'm going to introduce Sharper Robert Krastich is the business owner of this business and I'm just going to do a little bit of a, uh, a photo reel here just to give us an understanding of where Sharper and Rob and the team focus on when it comes to their business and ultimately the type of clients they've worked really hard to attract and keep and keep on attracting and ultimately with the ambition of keeping. So, high-end retail, great CBD locations, high-rise standalone buildings. Lamborghini, Mercedes, Ferrari are clients of Sharper Cleaning Facilities. Organize, um, um, major buildings in the city, retail, high-end retail, I think Fendi, Fendi on this end here. So the business was established in 2004. The ideal target market is high-end standalone buildings, high-end retail, high-end um, organisations that need, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, their, work, their, their place of work to be pristine and to the millimetre, to the, to, to the table, to the chair, to the table, to the glass, everything needs to be as, as it needs to be, high-end. Business benchmark group clients since April 2018, gross profit margin improvement in the last 12 months, which again, in an industry like this is not easy. Quote register has gone threefold increase in dollar value and in, in, it's all within our 100% ideal target market. Nothing gets quoted or estimated in this day and age at Sharper Facility 
cleaning that is not of an ideal target market confirmation. So our qualification process has gone through the roof before we put five, six, eight hours into quoting. We're not going to quote something that we don't want to win. Does that make sense? Just a lesson for everyone in the room. Conversion rate has improved. Isn't that interesting? From 38% to 52% in 12 months for everything quoted. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce um, Robert uh, Krastich to, to the room. So the business was started in 2004. Um, strictly speaking, why did you decide to go into business back then and what does it feel like to be in business right now? Okay. Uh, I had a very short-term career in graphic design uh, and uh, advertising. I was working as a graphic artist for Clemenger Harvey Edge in Richmond and I just got sick to death of working for someone and being told you can take your lunch at this time, you can have your food at this time and you need to finish work at this time. Um, used to see the cleaners come in and out at night, saw what they were doing, uh, asked them what they got paid per hour, went to the accounts department, asked them what they were getting charged per month for the cleaning of their building, um, yeah, their building. And um, I thought that I could actually do it uh, a little bit better. To just rewind a little bit beyond that, um, in, uh, when I was on my honeymoon, I was with my wife, I met a guy in Mykonos from the Gold Coast who had a cleaning business. And my first question was, how are you in Mykonos and you have a business back in Australia? I just couldn't understand how that was possible and that really opened up my eyes to then starting to look at having this entity that then exists without my direct 100% input and commitment at all times. Um, so then uh, going, going back to where I was working, I then resigned, um, set up the company and started door knocking uh, Church Street Richmond in a suit and slowly, slowly started to put the work on and then I was cleaning at night. So I was suit during the day, cleaning uniform at night, um, grew the business from myself uh, as an owner-operator. I was on the tools for close to three years and then started to slowly hire people then to start doing the work um, on my behalf. Fast forward to now, we've got about 120 personnel, that are cleaners that actually work within the business um, to various degrees and seen a lot of changes and gone over a number of obstacles throughout that time. Yeah, so when we, um, when we crossed paths about 15 months ago and, and we decided to go on a, on a mutual journey, um, what were the crossroads for you in April last mm. year? Right, because I mean, you're running a good business, you weren't broken. No, no, no. But for you, what were your crossroads at that point? Um, I suppose I got to a point where maybe many business owners want to get to is, you know, they're making a really good income, They've got a really good client base. Um, they don't have to be there all the time. And I guess I became my own worst enemy. I got really comfortable and I kind of lost a little bit of drive going on three or four holidays a year with my wife and my kids. You know, I'd get to so, two o'clock in the afternoon some days and go, I'm just gonna go to the gym. Or I'd have a mate ring up that night and go, let's catch up for breakfast tomorrow. Yeah, we'll go and have breakfast. So I was very uncommitted. Um, lost a lot of focus, um, lost a lot of, you know, that one bouncing ball like completely took my eye off it. Uh, because we had a couple of really key clients that um, we work with a couple of very well-known owners, corporation management companies. We become their preferred supplier. They win a building, we win it. There's no real uh, hunger for me to then go out and get more. Um, but then I would look at my pipeline and it'd be really, really low at times. And then there were other times where it was really healthy we were winning some work, we weren't winning sometimes, and um, 
I first met Stefan and I saw that graph of that sort of five million um, level and then going from owner to investor and I thought, I have no idea how to do that. I've spoken to some people that have big businesses and I knew I didn't have that mindset to, to actually do it. So I thought to myself, you know, it's also dangerous because you get to that point, you go, you know what, oh, I'm gonna go and invest in a restaurant. I don't know anything about running a restaurant and then I can actually lose everything. So um, I wanted, I knew that there was potential and I knew that I could do better myself. Um, and I knew also that it was a tough pill to swallow, but I saw that people watch you as a leader. They watch what you, they hear what you say, but they watch what you do. So morale within the office was up and down. Where's Rob? I don't know. You know, and then I'd turn up and I'd, you know, I'd do a bit of work. I can be very productive in a very compacted period of time. Um, but it, there was just no consistency. So we met and um, you opened up my eyes to what the next level looks like and what's involved. And I thought, okay, well, I want to I wanna do it. Other than what you've just shared, what was really holding you back? Me. And what does that mean? Uh, no quote register. I mean, I had a, I've got a whiteboard and I just basically have a list of the, the prospects that we've got in the marketplace. But there was no method behind increasing and becoming better well known in our, in our ideal target market. We had a couple of companies that we were working with very, very closely. We had a number of standalone office buildings, a fair bit in the, in the high-end retail space, but there was no, okay, well, what actions are you doing today that are then going to set the tone for the next two, three, four months? There was just none of that. So having that um, ability to hone my energy and direct it into something that's actually going to have a, a real viable outcome um, was really the main thing. And again, being, being a guy that in your own version or your own view of the world, yep. you've made it, it's comfortable, yep. it's giving you everything you want in your personal life mm. to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, who, who was holding? I mean, wh where was the, no, Rob, that's not the way to think about this. Or there was wh no where accountability. Was your bounce off? There was none. Yeah. There was no accountability. Um, yeah, there was just no accountability. I had no one saying, what the hell are you doing? Or you haven't made the mark this week. What are you going to do next week to better your, um, your efforts? So that I've, I've, never, I've never had a mentor. I've, you know, you pick information from people that you hear speak or YouTube videos that you watch, but I've never had someone like Stefan really sort of on my back. I've had it in, I've got, I've obviously received coaching in other parts of my life with my training and nutrition. Thought I knew what I knew when I then got involved with these people, I realised that there was a hell of a lot of assumptions that I was making and there was a lot to learn that I had to do as well. So I just applied that same methodology to business and um, it really was the turning point for me. And when you think about that, and thank you, when you think about that and how it flows now back into the office, yep. when the work that we do, no doubt, mm -hmm. and then the work you must do as you're, as, you know, you're, you're the leader, yep. how's that evolved in the last 12 months? Um, a lot changed in the first instance when I told my team that I had now embarked on this journey with Stefan and Business Benchmark. Um, they saw a change in me very, very quickly because my mindset my time at the office and my productivity went through the roof. I then sort of said to them, you know what guys, I'm actually accountable to all of you as well. It's not, I don't sit in an ivory tower in my own company where I'm beyond reproach. Um, I gave them um, the freedom to tell me from their own perspective what is working and, and what isn't working. Um, when we then had our first group um, catch up with, with Stefan and Business Benchmark, 
that was when they could see the road and the pathway and the clarity that it was that now that it now had that it never had before. So then I ended up getting a, a higher level of personal investment. Um, it was already high, but it went that step up. We then had also um, realised that the vision was very clear in my own eyes, and it was very clear in my manager's eyes. But we have a very diverse and remote workforce. So we have cleaners that are doing you know, a four hour shift in a building in Collins Street, five nights a week that I've never met. So how the hell do they know what the Sharper Facility Services vision is? How are we communicating that to the people that are actually the face of our company? Um, so that's a conversation that we started having and you know, a lot of great ideas came about and we started working around ways to actually get that message known. Um, so yeah, morale and cohesion was something that actually happened really, really quickly. And then you sort of get to where we are now, I'm hearing my operations manager saying, I've never felt the energy quite like it in, in the office as, as it is now, and it's a really cool thing to hear. So, so when you think about that and, and, and how you embark on, again, the work that needs to be executed and the, at, every, at every step of the way, the work that's needed from everyone mm -hmm. on the team, how, how do you see that playing out as you move into what is going to be your next double up over the next 24 months? Um, I've got to get really a lot better at my own critical thinking time. It's something that I don't do um, anywhere near enough as I should. I've got the time to do it. I'm just not habitualised to actually um, to do that yet. So my mindset's going from owner to um, investor. Um, I also, up until very recently, was the sales guy in my own business. So any new business opportunity, most of the new business opportunities that the company got was through my own, my own network and my own efforts. We've recently hired a, a business development manager um, who brings to the table uh, a very, very powerful and his own uh, extensive network. This is an individual I've known for, for a number of years. We started the conversation 12 months ago. Um, the first couple of times when he approached me, I completely dismissed him because I thought there's no way I could actually afford someone like yourself to join the business. And we got to the point end of 2018 and then we're actually able to formalise uh, an agreement. Um, we're in the process now, uh, Stefan and I are actually documenting a sales process. My sales process is up here. If it's not written, it's in your head. And I <coughs> from a business owner's perspective, it's really hard to scale when everything is up here. So now it's getting it down on paper and actually getting it known by other people other than yourself is where you can then leverage yourself and leverage your processes where other people can then embody it and, and take it on. And um, when, when you think about how many hours were your maximum that you could afford in the sales, mm. in your sales role before Darren, how many hours was the business having in sales per week? 15 to 20 hours, 20 hours on a good week. And how many hours does Darren bring to the game now? 100% of the time. So, so 50? Yeah. So now all of a sudden we've gone from 20, mm. sort of, mm -hmm. to 70, let's go 65 to 75 yep. guaranteed. Yep. What does that do for your business and the journey you're setting yourself up for? It creates a path of, um, and a level of growth that we haven't experienced before. So going to that uh, anticipation now, we, I've got to be very mindful. We have to be mindful as a business operationally, how we're going to actually be able to, one, service the contracts, recruit capital investment to start up the sites, and then actually service 
the dealership or the building to the level that we have promised. I'm the promise maker. Operations are the people that actually deliver on that promise. So we need to make sure that we are really razor sharp in how we, we do that. Um, it's not going to be without its challenges. Um, we've had blips in the past where we've had massive months and we've just dealt with it, but we haven't had month after month after month of constant growth. So that's new ground for us and it's going to be a new challenge. So if I look at knowledge as an owner, I'm sort of at the start of the bell curve where it seems like it's going to become exponential. And I'm excited about that because if that was happening without the mentorship, I'd be hoping I get it right. And when you make a mistake, mistakes cost dollars. Um, and in where we're at now, the dollars can be actually quite, um, quite big. So how long, I mean, this is really, this is really good. So for, for businesses in the room that are also in that fast growth cycle, and, and there yeah. are businesses in this room, I mean, Matt, you're exactly there, and there's a number, I mean, you, you just won a, the biggest contract in town for what you do, and that keeps you really busy and almost doubles your business overnight. And there are, there are other businesses also that have got some growth going on. Mm. How do you now deal, knowing that the growth is more probable than not? Yep. Because it's not confirmed, it's probable, right? Mm. Knowing that, how, do you, how have you now embarked on the training that's been had and the continued training that you are having in thinking that little further mm -hmm. ahead? How are you now working through, if we were to deliver a million dollars a month, what would be the constraints? How are you dealing with that now? Um, thankfully, we also have a really well mapped out uh, organisational chart. Um, and I can anticipate the stress points from a management perspective. Okay, like these are going to be the next three people that we're going to need to hire. And we know the order in which they're going to be hired. We know what their remuneration package will be Round, in a roundabout sense, but very, very accurately. Um, and also sort of working out how are we then going to segregate their area of responsibility because two years ago, one operations manager was able to be across all of our sites. That won't be a reality in the next 12 months. So from our production division um, of our uh, business, it's actually segregating, uh, whether it's territories or dollar value of clients or something like a geographic, um, where levels of responsibility will then have to be delegated and um, chains of command will then have to be um, well and truly mapped out, the, the main thing for us. Because that, that's pure anticipation time, right? Yes. So being in a position where you know, six months, 12 months before the event, you're now starting to create some plan A's and plan B's. Yep. How much more power does that give you? It's infinite. Um, it actually, because I remembered thinking uh, a while ago, or this is probably going back you know, five or six years, geez, if we win that, how are we going to handle it? Um, it, it? There was almost like this, actually, I won't, I won't walk into that building because if we get it, I won't, know, I won't know how to service it. So there's that sort of uh, level of, of unknown territory, which my initial reaction was to actually just ignore it, not confront it. Um, now it's a case of, well, we can go into it because we actually know how to handle it from a, a procedural perspective. Um, and our, our, our delivery division of the business is actually very well documented though with uh, video training and also documented uh, information that, that, our, that our cleaning personnel can actually read and understand. And on a personal level, I guess your financial mastery, your understanding around numbers and critical numbers, how, how, what, what, give us a little bit of feedback on that for you. 
Um, yeah, so my, my financial mastery up until fairly recently was looking at what we were owed and looking at the bank balance and going, that looks pretty good. Um, that was kind of, <laughs> in all honesty, that's how I got to where I am today. So I really didn't spend much time in P&L land, balance sheet land, cash flow projection. There was none of that. Um, and I, in a way, I sometimes look at what I've, uh, what, where I've gotten to and think, how the hell did you do that with such a loose grasp of, of the finances? Um, sometimes I was actually not looking at the finances because I, I didn't want to actually confront what was there, um, which is a really silly way of, of looking at it because there's a level of uh, you know, brutal truth that sometimes you need to confront going, okay, if we lose another contract, we're actually in a really, really um, terrible position. And I was kind of there about two years ago where we lost, seemed like month after month, very long-term clients. They were not lost through quality. They were lost because the business got sold. The business relocated into a building that had base building cleaners. And we're talking just over a million dollars of revenue over a 12-month period that actually just evaporated. You know, it wasn't a really cool feeling to be in Mexico getting a termination notice for a client that you've had for six years. And my wife goes, are you okay? And then my kid runs up to me and gives me a hug and wants to go for a swim and it's the last thing I want to do. But that was the reality. And that came from having a very loose grasp on the numbers. I just had an image of you uh, <laughs> eating the worms. <laughs> it's not a nice feeling. It's not <laughs> no, a nice feeling, no. Neither is eating the tequila worm. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't do that, mate. No, I don't. I'm only joking. <laughs> high in protein, though, apparently. Look, I mean, <laughs> there's a learning. <laughs> Thank you. Um, ideal target market. I yep. mean, there, there's a conversation that goes literally every every conversation we have with every client will end up at some place called ideal target market, right? Yep. Now, your work in this space, particularly in the last 12 months, again, just in, in what I've seen and mm. what I can see up here and what I can see in your financials is just spectacular. How have you learned to say no? Uh, through mistakes, um, because I've said yes, because... I looked at the top line. You know, we worked with an RTO um, that we got approached by an RTO a couple of years ago, quarter of a million dollar contract. I thought this is great. I've heard in the media that the RTO space is a little bit shaky. There are some um, sort of some operators that are not really doing the right thing. But they were great payers. They always paid within terms. Everything was going great for the first 12 months, and then they were 15 days late in their invoice, 30 days late. Then all of a sudden we've delivered two months worth of work and we haven't gotten paid. We're into the second half of the second month. And uh, we then said, if we're not paid in 24 hours, we're going to withdraw our service. We got paid 50% of the total that we were owed. And then that number gradually blew out. And then one morning a cleaners rocked up to site one night and they couldn't get into the building because uh, the building had been shut down. And we lost 60 grand. That's the horror story of sort of working in a sector that you know to be volatile, but going, great revenue. We were actually, it was a very profitable site. It was running at around 38, 39%. So, you know, it was awesome, but it was in an industry that we, that I knew to be very, very shaky. So when you're sort of working in an industry where it's completely up to government funding and the government just turns the tap off, it's pretty much, it's done and dusted. Um, so now we're also in a situation where, look, I've walked through buildings and offices where it was actually one of the members here. Graham invited me to do a quote of his building. The uh, office manager's walking me through, showing me what, what needs to be done. And I looked at her and I said, you guys are getting a great service from your current provider. You don't need us. 
stick with who you've got, congratulate them, because they're doing an awesome job. I don't really want to take on work for the sake of taking it on when, when a competitor is doing great. Because ultimately, aside from doing well as, an, as a standalone business, I'd love to actually increase the profile of the cleaning industry in general, because typically it's thought of as a very low value cost rather than a high value investment. Um, so if you've got companies that are doing the right thing, even if it's in, if it's in the ideal target market, it's okay, you know, it's okay to say no. But let's say Westfield uh, approached us to go and have a look at Southland or here. This for us would kill us as a company. We're not scaled to deal with a contract of this size. We don't, we can't, we can't sustain 60 to 90 day payment terms. Payment terms is a massive one for us as well. I'm not running a bank. I don't want to be running and thinking before I go to bed how much debt we're carrying because of a client's payment terms. All of our clients pay within 30 days. We bill on the first day of, month, of the month for that month in advance, and 95% of our clients pay within 30 days. So when, I, when my head hits the pillow, I'm out. I'm not thinking about what I'm owed, by and large. Um, so having those sort of personal caveats makes my life pretty, pretty simple. I like that. Thank you. Good. Uh, what advice do you have for other small business owners who are currently, I guess, you know, at a crossroad? How do we go to the next level? A little, perhaps, stagnant? Um, yeah. What advice do you have? Um, I'd say number one is get good at delegating. Um, I've personally found that something that comes very easily to me. Um, but if you hire great people, pay them really, really well. You've hired them to do a job, let them get on with it. You don't need to stand over their shoulder wondering whether or not it's something that you, if you would do it that exact way. Because everyone's going to bring to the table their own way of doing something, provided that you're focused on the outcome and they get to the outcome in a way that's equitable and ethical, how they get there is really very much up to them. Um, and uh, the other thing I would say is uh, saying to someone never to give up is actually terrible advice because successful people give up all the time. Smart people look at what's not working and they stop doing it. So if something's not working, don't keep on doing it because that's just really the definition of, of insanity. Very good. Um, your, your personal vision for your business, not the business vision, but your personal vision for the business right now, for the next three years, what does that, what does that look like? Um, to increase a proven track record in our ideal target markets and to deliver um, cleaning services to our clients that actually add value to their brand or adds value to the asset of the building. So residents and, in, and investors in buildings are actually seeing that their asset value is being preserved because the cleaning services, uh, services are being managed in a way that's uh, right for the building. And if you were to achieve that, what does that mean in a commercial sense for the business? So our market share will, will go up. Um, our reputational value will increase as well. And by nature of doing that, um, the inflow and interest in other companies wanting to know and work with us will also hopefully go up as well. And, and when you think about an industry that you have a philosophy that should be raising its profile and yep. standard, what are your views on suppliers and, and what, what's your philosophy around that in an industry that's typically of a certain type of business model? Yeah, that's a really good question because one of the things I get asked a lot is, is it hard to find good people? And when people are asking that, they're typically referring to our cleaners. 
And the answer that, to that is a, a resounding no. Um, we hire great people and then we set about making them better and we give them an environment where the client actually isn't first. Our people are number one and then they in turn deliver service excellence. So I don't really run on the mantra that everyone's replaceable um, because everyone is turning up to work, hopefully to do a good job, to put food in their mouth and we're giving them a platform to, to be able to do that. But by the same token, good isn't good enough for us. We're looking for people that want greatness. If your shift starts at seven o'clock, you don't turn up at seven, you turn up at 6.45 and you start at seven. That's the standard that I've basically set and that's the standard. There's no, there's no negotiating on that. You're either on time or you're late. Simple as that. Pretty cool. Thank you. If you hadn't reached out, mm -hmm. <laughs> the fact is you have. Yep. And we're in it for the long haul. Yep. If you hadn't reached out, where would you be March 2019? Um, probably banging my head against that glass ceiling um, and have a really sort of vague idea of, oh, you know, we'll, we'll put on a million dollars of business and hope we don't lose anything in between um, and just kind of meander along this road that we were going on. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we would have continued to grow, uh, but we would have probably also been paying a lot of dumb tax along the way and leaving a lot of money on the table. Um, not really scrutinising our suppliers. Um, are we able to get a better deal for the volume that we're, that we're purchasing through you guys? Um, there's a, there's, there are so many ways in which you can create uh, an increase in gross profit. Um, one is to obviously quote with the margin, but then there's also squeezing the juice out of the lemon. I'm sure if any of you work with Stefan, you've heard him use that analogy, um, and we weren't squeezing that lemon at all. Um, so that's probably the main thing. But yeah, it would have been, I would have had a goal, but I wouldn't have had the habits to go along. The one percenters, you know, one percenters, it's actually really good, easy to get better at something one percent every day, as opposed to going, I want to double my ability in a, in a specific way. So I would have had bad habits and my goals would have been, yeah, somewhere in the distance in a bit of a fog. Well, in fairness, the habits of a $10 million business owner, mm. Mm. or 20 or 50 or even five. Yep are very different to the habits of a one or two million dollar business owner. Definitely. As are the executable activities that you choose mm. to partake in. Thank you, Rob. Pleasure. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Question and answers. Questions, anybody? Uh, your Both. So there are some sites that we have that are, that are quite small, um, that are just not, when I say small, you know, two or three hour cleans per night, five nights a week. It's, unless yeah, I can find you know, three or four sites that are very close to, to, to each other, um, they lend themselves quite well to a, to a contractor model, but then the larger sort of high-rise CBD type of buildings that we've got, they're on the payroll. How do you maintain the morale among all these standards yep. when you've got multiple people on multiple sites, so like you said, you can have a match? Yep. How do they know your standards and your delivery expectations yeah, it's a really good question. And that was something that we asked ourselves a lot. Um, and then we've got, it turns out, an absolute gun of uh, an administration manager. And she said, and I said, look, if, if, if only there was a way in which we could communicate with people on a platform um, that everyone got involved with. She goes, yeah, there's a thing called Facebook. Um, let's start a closed Facebook group called Team Sharper and get all of the cleaners to actually 
become members of that group. So we now uh, will semi-regularly post videos. I'll, I'll post a video um, of something that's going to motivate them in a certain way. Now, before today, I actually had a, a nice chat with young Marcus behind the camera about us actually setting up and running and recording a proper induction video talking very much about the company's vision and the standard because it's just not viable for me to get in front of uh, a large group of people that are all working in their own independent ways. Um, and then we also acknowledge and reward and make a real big deal about someone who's really gone over and above their call of duty to help us out um, on a particular site or there's been a, a, an instance where on very short notice someone has come in and they've actually just helped. So when you have a scenario where you're acknowledging an individual and you're doing it in a very public way where their peers can actually see whether they've met each other or not, it doesn't matter. It actually holds a lot of clout. So there are a lot of existing social media platforms that one can use uh, for free to actually uh, um, achieve exactly what you've, what you've asked. Hopefully that's answered the question. But there's also a, a very strong, a strong philosophy in the business where they're not suppliers, they're actual partners. Partners, yeah. They're partners. And in 2019-20, we're rolling out a training program, Jeff, where on a monthly basis they will be coming in. Um, on our time, we'll pay, we'll pay them for this. If they're of a subby, not just the, the team will definitely be there. And we will keep on training them, elevating the standard, talking to them about what's expected, what's not expected. Really, really optimising the standard across 100% of the, uh, the fulfilment team. So that's a training program that's being designed that will definitely be an investment on behalf of Sharper and Robert to the total team. Mm. It's not cheap, but to not do it is not, not ex um, it's very expensive. One more question? Anybody? All good? Thank you, Rob. Cheers. Good man. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back. What a phenomenal sharing uh, to Robert and uh, testament to his progression as a leader, as a thought leader, but ultimately the influence that he is destined and is currently on as far as his particular niche, his particular space, and how he just, I guess, he's looking at his opportunity in such a different light, and he wants to bring great people with him, and I just think that's, uh, that goes without saying how, um, how he will and no doubt achieve all that, because he is the sort of leader that has chosen to be the CEO of his business, and he's stepping up to the plate every single day. I love the fact that, you know, what advice would he have for other business owners? And when he said, you know, saying to someone, never give up is bad advice. If something isn't working, just stop doing it. I mean, you know, if something isn't working, you know, that's called dumb tax. If you're doing something that you think or you know or you may feel is not working, well, the, 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 the issue there has got nothing to do with the way you're doing it. The issue there is the fact that you're not measuring it and therefore have no clarity as if it was pin the tail on the donkey for how you're playing your game, your game in business. And to a certain degree, it was really interesting to hear how Robert Robert put his hand up and said I thought everything was really cool and I had achieved and overachieved so many outcomes that I'd created as my goals five six ten years ago and in fairness ladies and gentlemen in fairness my my valued and and distinct business owners out there leaders of great men and women you never, ever, ever stop chasing a dream or feel that you have made it and not have recreated what could be, what may be the next elevation of standard and opportunity for not for you, 
You may have realized your dream, but how is it that this dream called your business continues to be a legacy that outlives and outperforms you in the meantime? So I'm Stefan Kazakas, Business Benchmark Group, empowering business owners to optimize and elevate the standard so that they are truly, truly benchmarks in the industries and the niches that they have decided to be. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts, and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.